New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Sam Daly-Harris, and he's the author of the 20th anniversary edition of Reclaiming Our Democracy, Healing the Break Between People and Government. Sam, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Well, you started something many years ago, decades ago, called Results, and uh, this is an it is really an empowerment approach to grassroots citizens advocacy. So, what is results? What? Why is it? How is it different? And what is it? Yes. Well, um, as I tell what it is, I also want to tell how I started from hopelessness, like I think many people feel. Results is a citizen lobby with two purposes. One is to create the political will to end hunger and the worst aspects of poverty. And the other is to empower individuals to have breakthroughs in expressing their personal and political power. And so it works in groups all around the country and in Canada and UK and Australia and Japan, etc. But it started... Uh, with my own hopelessness first. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times I'm asked, as I started myself in music, how did you switch from music to a, a citizen activism on poverty? What motivated that switch? And when I look back, in 1964, I graduated from high school. And I played timpani in the orchestra in the high school graduation. And just before the ceremony, a flute player came back and told me that a high school fraternity brother a year younger had died the day before in a tractor-trailer accident. It was her next-door neighbor, so she knew before I did. That really impacted me, because I was 17, and I thought I had forever. But that death, and then four years later, Robert Kennedy's assassination around graduation day from college, really shook me and had me asking, what am I here to do? What is my purpose? Why am I here? No answers. But then nine years later, when I was invited to a presentation on the Hunger Project and went, I went hopeless about, I thought it was inevitable that there were no solutions because if there were solutions, somebody would have done something by now. But you know, when you don't think about things much like me and world hunger, that's what you'd think. But going to that presentation, I realized that growing food, clean water, basic health, basic literacy, those were all achievable goals, and none of them were, were mysterious. So I started to get involved uh, because I, I saw that I wasn't hopeless about the lack of solutions. I was hopeless about human nature. There was one human nature I could control, my own, and I had my questions, 
why am I here? What am I here to do? I started to get involved. And so that was that route from that hopelessness. Then I speak to 7,000 high school students in 1978 and 79 in Miami, where I lived, Los Angeles, where I moved. And before going in, I saw quotes from expert panels calling for the political will to end hunger. So I asked all these 7,000 students, what's the name of your member of Congress? Don't tell me if you wrote them. Don't tell me, just the name. And out of 7,000, fewer than 3% knew, 200 knew. Over 97% didn't know. What did that indicate to you? Obliviousness, uh, an inability to respond to these calls for the political will to end hunger. I mean, if you don't know the name of your member of Congress, you're not likely to generate any political will to do anything. Because it's just not, it's kind of like if you hate tennis or baseball, you don't watch baseball, you don't watch tennis. So if you kind of don't watch and engage with, for example, Congress, you you have no idea what's going on over there. And so, uh, you know, this was uh, uh, an eye-opener for me. And it was really a, a moment when, this quote from Buckminster Fuller, uh, the futurist inventor, uh, said, the things to do are the things that need doing, that you see need to be done, and that no one else seems to see needs to be done. And there was something that I saw needed doing. Calls for political will, hardly anyone knowing the name of their member of Congress, big gap there, and so I jumped in. So that in. sparked something I for you. I jumped in and, and, and lots but you of didn't, others. But you didn't see the, the full... Oh, there was no grand plan. There was just a let's get going and see what happens. So what were some of the first steps you took? Well, uh, it's interesting. Uh, we, um, I, I uh, met a couple at an event in L.A. called the Los Angeles World Hunger Event. This was 1980. And they said, we were inspired about this event, but we're frustrated. We don't know what to do. I said, well, I'd lived in Miami before, and we, we had a group that would meet once a month and write letters to Congress. They said, let's do that at our house. And so I, we, they had a friend, a, a, a friend of mine also, who said, I can't come that night. We'll do it at my house the week later. So within a month, I was driving to six locations, leading these meetings. I said, well, this is a little unsustainable that, that I drive everywhere. Let's have the six come together and then do the action together, and then they'll go out and lead their meeting. Well, a couple of months later, we were maybe up to eight, and two of us were leaving. One went to Berkeley, freshman at UC Berkeley. The other moved to Portland, Oregon. We said, well, there's two-way calling. Let's connect each other by conference call. Voila, our conference call was born. Out of and this, now it's even yeah, easier. Well, yeah, now yeah. it's much easier, and there are many hundreds on the call, not eight. And, uh, you know, so we trial and errored into these different methods and techniques that we use. One of the things I know that I, I read in your book is that when you first get together with a group, you do have them do write a letter. Yes, Absolutely. So when we're uh, when results is starting a presentation, we'll typically introduce them to the idea and to a topic, and then and there, 
write a letter to a member of Congress. So it's associated with an action right off the bat. Absolutely. The other, I've been coaching another group, Citizen Climate Lobby. When they do their group start workshop, and it's usually three hours long, they don't write the letter. They divide up into groups, and they have the groups plan a meeting with the member of Congress. And then the leader sits in every circle for about 10 minutes and has them practice the meeting with their member of Congress to shoot them in the direction of leaving the meeting and going to set up a meeting with their member of Congress. And and you describe them like when they do meet with Congress or get that meeting finally, which they have to knock on the door maybe quite a few times to do that. Yeah. They're very organized about yes. it. We're all well, we're all organized. We we take it as an important part of the congressperson's time. And, of course, an important part of our own time. And so we really want to make the best use of it. There's this one example that I'd love to share. Um, there was a group uh, in Richmond, and they got on the conference call. Richmond where? Uh, R- Richmond, Virginia. Uh, and the congressman is uh, Eric Cantor, the House Majority Leader. And they said, you know, uh, two uh, months ago, you said, go meet with your member of Congress. And we couldn't get a meeting with our member. We got a meeting with our, his legislative director. And we had two two-hour preparatory meetings. And This w- is before, before they, they went in. Yes. And they, it's, it's a long story, but they, one of them is a retired naval meteorologist, and he brought the science, and another is very well organized, and he had the agenda on the flip chart, and they asked, what are the congressman's values in the area of energy, economy, and environment? Uh, and one of them, uh, the four that went to the meeting, is Jewish, and the congressman's Jewish, and their member uh, uh, in the group is a very good baker. So he baked two challah breads, one for the congressman and one for the um, legislative director. And after their meeting, the legislative director said, you were the most organized group, a well-prepared group I've ever met with. And I tell that story. And when I meet with CEOs of nonprofits, I say, you know, I think if I ask an ordinary climate activist to meet with their member, with Eric Cantor, or his ledger director, I think they'd say, now which wall are you wanting me to bang my head against? And uh, I was meeting with uh, the head of an environmental group with four million stakeholders. And the head of the group, I didn't get to the wall banging part of the story, the head of the group said, you know, we really wouldn't meet with the Eric Cantors of the world. And he cupped his hands and he said, we'd meet with those that are with us. And he rocked his hands back and forth or those we feel we could move, but we really wouldn't meet with the Eric Cantors of the world. Well, I don't think that's going to get the job done. I think we need to meet with everyone, and I think we need to meet with them with uh, our homework done and with a lot of heart. And if I could say one more thing about this preparation, that they were having their meetings back in June, and one of the groups uh, saw that their member of Congress's co-chair of the Congressional Wine Caucus. And after the meeting wasn't going very well, they said to the member of Congress, well, you know, uh, climate change is really going to affect grapes and vineyards, (laughs) and that's going to really affect the quality of wine. The congressman lit up and got really interested in what they were talking about. So you have to do your homework to find out where the opening might be. It might be a challah bread and good preparation. It might be... The wine's 
But Sam, I'm thinking like these people went into this meeting not because uh, they were going to profit in some financial right. way yeah. or they weren't being paid to do it. They're not a, like a paid lobbyist. They no. weren't being paid to do it and they weren't doing it f uh, for their own aggrandizement to reduce their tax or or anything like that. And I think the congressperson sees it. M one of my new favorite quotes is from uh, uh, Mark Twain who said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. And I think this kind of work is part of the why, the giving back, the making a difference, the leaving the campsite cleaner than we found it. And so when we can engage in this, our members of Congress can see that. I mean, they may be a little jaded the first meeting or two, but this is not a 50-yard dash. It's a marathon. And if you're in it for the long haul, over time, you'll make a difference. What kind of reputation does results have in Washington, D.C.? Well, I think essentially it has a, a reputation of a thoughtful group, a committed group, a well-prepared group, and a group that's not going away. <laughs> so I was and, thinking that. And let me just say this. Uh, when we first started lobbying in the, the mid-'80s, UNICEF, the UN Children's Fund, said that 41,000 children were dying every day from preventable things, measles coupled with malnutrition, dehydration brought on by diarrhea, which was brought on by not washing hands or dirty water and, and infant formula. The latest statistics from UNICEF are that the child death rates per day are, have gone down from 41,000 a day to 18,000 a day. Still scandalously high, yes. but going in the right direction. And that didn't happen by the wind blowing correctly, it happened because citizens organized, they made some demands, and they made a good politics to push in that direction. Now, someone has, has said uh, that change really never happens from the top down, but right. it's from the grassroots up. So um, how, and some people would say that there is a lack of political will for these sorts of things. Well, the, the head of the clim Citizens Climate Lobby says, Congress doesn't create political will. Congress responds to political will. So it's up to us to create it so they can respond to it. Um, I think it might have been Obama even paraphrasing a previous president. I'm with you on climate change. Now go out there and make me do it. Right. Because there are people making them do the opposite. Yes. And there are people making them do other things. And you need to help focus the right. attention. So in, in, in this um, movement, let's say if people got involved, let's say with results, yes. um, you would have certain agendas that you are working with and working with certain problems. However, people can kind of get a taste of the model, even, mm -hmm. even if they, that's not their most passionate uh, issue or problem that they're looking at, but, but they can get a taste of the model, and then they can go out and Absolutely. start to use yeah. it in their yeah. own way. I mean, the book also has chapters on how-tos. There's a, the latest chapter that has, um, one of the new chapters has some 13 commitments on what's needed 
to succeed at citizen empowerment and transformation. And for me, that's important too. The transformation from I don't make a difference to I do make a difference, from I can't fight City Hall to I am City Hall. And so those are uh, important things. So joining a group like Results or Citizen Climate Lobby or the Peace Alliance is now taking this on uh, is one way to get a taste of it and to, to learn and maybe take it to another issue. Reading the book is another. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, we met 20 years ago, maybe something like that. We were teenagers. We were, te- we, were, <laughs> we were teenagers across the uh, microphones from one another. And um, you seem to, to retain your enthusiasm, your energy. So uh, how, how do you keep this going? Well, um, I think it goes back to the, the, the two most important days are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And if you find out why, like I want to make a difference, and then you are able to do that, there's a lot of aliveness. There's a lot of a vitality in the ability to see your vision. I mean, when we started lobbying on microcredit, the microloans around the world, there were a million poor who had access to a microloan. Now it's 124 million. When you live through that period, and you know you didn't do it all, but you were seriously part of it. I don't mean me only, but results was in that kind of thing. That uh, there's a lot of uh, joy in that. The ability to uh, have a vision and see it being fulfilled over time. And Sam, there's something very powerful about joining with others because mm-hmm. I, I think this is you know our here in america our, our the rugged individualist mm-hmm. we've been kind of touted as as that and our our mm-hmm. upbringing and our myth mm-hmm. has to do with mm-hmm. that the lone ranger so to speak but that's not the that's not where it's at anymore well, is not it how it yeah in other words there's such a condition that's saying, stop, don't bother, you can't do it, don't fight City Hall, that you need everything going for you that you can. And one thing would be a group of colleagues working together. Another might be a monthly conference call like we do that empowers people. Another might be materials and timely information. So you need as many ducks in a row to make sure that the condition of ignorance and apathy doesn't knock you over along the way. Well, Sam, I want to thank you for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe. It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you with us. I've been speaking with Sam Daly-Harris, and he's the author of Reclaiming Our Democracy, Healing the Break Between People and Government. And if you'd like to be in touch with the work that he does, you can go to reclaimingourdemocracy.org or you can go to results.org, or you can go to the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you so much for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.